Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode, or were a live musical made during a pandemic. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Oh, 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 English, right. We are doing 2020's uh, The Grinch Musical. The, 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 the Grinch. Not, not that one, though. <laughs> and not like the good one from no. the 1960s with Boris Karloff? Yeah, not that one either. And not, not the other cartoon that exists for some reason. This is The Grinch, The Musical. This is NBC, uh, and NBC was on this kick, I think they're still on this kick, of doing these live musicals where they were like, hey, do you want to see a not-that-great version of Grease? That was Fox. Was that Fox? Yes. Oh, my bad. Um, they, they did Peter Pan. Yes, so... They were uh, NBC and Fox. Uh, Fox tended to do more of the teen-oriented ones. Fox did Rent. Fox did Rocky Horror. And Fox did, uh, as you said... Grease. Grease. So they tended to do more of the like teeny bopper-oriented musicals. Mm-hmm. I know it's weird to call Rocky Horror a teeny bopper yeah, musical. Yeah. But their version was. Um, Granted. So NBC did... Sound of Music, NBC did Peter Pan, NBC did Hairspray. Right. Uh, they did Jesus Christ Superstar, which I will say was extremely well-received. Right. Comparatively. And seemed to launch Sarah Bareilles as a viable Broadway star. Yeah. And they also did The Grinch. Yes. And this is an original musical? No, this has run, this ran seasonally on Broadway a few times. Really? Yes. Disgusting. The Broadway musical version had Patrick Page as the Grinch. You know him as Norman Osborn in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of our listeners probably know him as Hades in Town. Okay. Uh, that's probably what he is currently best known for, mm-hmm. is he was the original Hades in Town, incredibly well received in that role. Yeah, the, the Grinch and the, the Goblin kind of share that kind of new DNA in, in Broadway, where it's like a Beetlejuice or a, uh, a genie character, where they kind of exist slightly outside the script. Or they have, you and know, can as do stuff. They also share a Shade of Green. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> so he will be announcing his candidacy to play Elphaba in Wicked any day. Yeah, now. yeah, it's coming. Oh, I'd, I'd watch that. Defying gender roles. I would legitimately watch Patrick Page sing Defying Gravity. It's probably out there. <laughs> I look for literally two seconds. So, before we get any further into this, I think we should probably pour one out. What? What is that? Uh, I have some Grinch cocoa. What? Uh, I made some hot chocolate... Uh, but I made hot white chocolate. This way, when I added creme de menthe, 
it turns green. It's missing hot. Uh, it's missing some whipped cream. That's the only thing that I I wish I had for this. But this uh, cool whip in the freezer. That's not the same. Oh, fine, fussy. I, I, when you, you need the because like then it sits on top. Cool whip would just plop. <sighs> We're Stan not, Styles when you need them. Right. All right. I want to have a sip of this. I wouldn't call it good, <laughs> but I would call it warm, and I'm very cold, so I will probably drink the whole thing. Fair. What do you got there? Green tea. It's green. I was I like was expecting cringe. more words. Uh, so that's just, just some green tea because it's It green. is a festive green tea. It has a polar bear on the box. Mm. You put in about as much effort as uh, this uh, production. No, no, I would actually say I, this, this production tries, it tries. It tries in the wrong way though. Yeah. I believe the, I I never really liked the term try hard. Yeah. But this is a little try hard. It's like, it's, it's, it's very Sisyphus in that it's like, it's dragging it up this hill, but we don't even want it up that hill. It was perfectly fine where it was. <laughs> and if I only could, I'd make a deal with God. <laughs> yes. To have a different holiday musical the year of the pandemic. So let's uh, let's get into this. It starts pretty cute. Yeah, like it has a nice... The opening credits... Book aesthetic. Yeah, and it's sheet music with the Susie font and that art style that you just, you know is Susie. So it opens with who's singing around a tree, singing the opening bars of Welcome Christmas. Yes. It's adorable. It's everything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And then one who turns around and puts a dot on an old looking dog with creepy prosthetic jowls. Yes. And powders his nose. And <sighs> the singing fades out and we focus on old Max. Yes. I, I need to talk about these jowls real quick. Yeah. There's an episode of South Park where they make Butters go on the Maury Povich show as a circus freak, and he's kids with kid with balls on chin. Oh, that's exactly what this looks like. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you got balls on the side of your face. Gross. Why? Who are you? Yeah, they're they're bad. They're really bad. So. We see Cindy Lou Who, who is very pink-haired. The Who's are very pink. Yes. Uh, which is different than most versions. Usually they're fairly humanoid-looking. Yeah. Maybe a bit rosier. Mm-hmm. And I know they were, like, disproportionately blonde in the yeah. uh, Ron Howard version. Uh, Old Max speaks in a weird cadence. It initially doesn't really fit as a rhyme, and then it fits. Then it kind of settles into rhyming. Yeah. And then we get into the opening number proper, which is not Welcome Christmas. Yes. It's Who Likes Christmas. Yes. I'd like to, at this point, point out that uh, there may or may not be clips in this episode of Stay Doomed. Uh, When something's not on YouTube, that usually means they're actively trying to keep it off of YouTube. Yes. And when I, I can usually grab like a line or two and there's not a problem, but it's always an issue with music. So I apologize if there are lacks of clips and you have to hear me sing. So they sing, 
who likes Christmas? Who's like Christmas? Yeah, they figured out who could have a double meaning. And I find it interesting because adults have a very classic choreography look. But the children has this like very Matilda-y, angular, kind of... I, I really don't like this style of choreography. It seems to be the style for children in musicals now. It looks a lot like the Matilda choreography. Mm-hmm. It's very like wide set legs, like, but you know what I mean? Like, I know exactly what you mean. That's why it's funny. Like they're making them just do squats essentially. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're very, um, wooden doll. Yes. Like, yeah. Like a lot of right angles. Yeah. They're bad action figures that don't have like elbow joints, but they have ball socket joints for the arms. So the who's have a little bit of nose putty mm-hmm. and pink hair. I'm going to be honest. There's not really a reason for them to even have the nose putty. Like the odd facial features are a remnant from the 1990 or excuse me, the 2001. Yes. uh, Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Yes. Which I will talk about a lot more later. Uh, I would also like to point out that this song really removes everything from the original version of this because... All the rhymes are real words. Yeah. Like, someone says that they want what they want for Christmas is teeth. Give us dummies, sugar lollies, and then if we hurl, give us more. Yes. But, in, but like, why isn't it like bambangers and zoogwoggles and all those Seuss words that made sense? We do eventually get that. I know, but like, by... Putting all these phrases in that are very based in reality, you remove what made Whoville very special. Was this kind of wacky sing-songiness to its existence. Yeah. So, I'm already annoyed, is what I'm saying. Uh, We also have two kinda who's. (laughs) The kinda, the whom's. I'm kidding. They have green hair... And they kind of flit in and out of the story. They interact with old Max. They interact with the characters in... Yes. And they're... I I feel like they're supposed to maybe be like a thing one, thing two. That's what I was thinking. I think they were kind of referencing that. Even though that's Cat in the Hat. Yeah. They want to move those thing one, thing two t-shirts. So I guess that's what's going on here. I mean, that's very like... It's very Wubulous World of Dr. Seuss. Uh, I also want to point out about this song that they plagiarize Glorious. I mean, I don't think it's plagiarism. I think that's more than public domain by now. Right. but And also Deck the Halls. This really bothers me. Okay. W- what the first couple minutes of this special taught me was how much I care about Dr. Seuss and his works. Yeah. By including these contemporary references to our world. Okay. You are destroying what Whoville is. Do you know what Whoville is in the canon of Dr. Seuss? It's on a clover. It is on a speck of dust that on lands on a clover that Horton the elephant has. Yeah. I, Very good. Yeah. I was in Seussical. 
We're going to, we'll, we'll get there. So. But the, I was in Susical the Musical when I was younger. Yeah. The fact that they're making these references to, uh, like, our Christmas songs kind of creates this feeling of, like, oh, Whoville's, like, just a weird place down south. Rather than being this, like, mystical tiny place. And I, I just, I feel like that just hurts the magic of all of this. And to destroy that so early makes me just not care. It did not bother me the way it bothers you. It bothers me. It bo- <laughs> Apparently, I care about the canon of Dr. Seuss. So, my next note is, yo, I would wear some of these adult women's costumes. <laughs> They're all very much in this, like, very Lisa Frank palette. Yes. Like, I'm looking at some of the adult women's costumes being like, I would. Yes. And then old Max ruins it. He starts to like, he uses the phrase Christmas a lot twice yes. in like within a couple minutes of each other. And it's bad. We it's see, real bad. We see the green hand and then we get Max's little like intro song. Yes. Where we see him growing up from like a puppy, which is... <sighs> The puppy is a young lady we never see again. We never see again. Not even at curtain call. No. (laughs) Which we immediately pointed out. Uh, But, like, to to quote Tripod, (laughs) get to the monkey. (laughs) Like, uh, we in this household love Max as a character from The Grinch. Yes, uh, my dog was literally named Max. Yes, but... We are not here to see Max. We're here for the Grinch. So, like, let me give you some Max backstories. Like, no, this is not why. Why are we doing this? So, Puppy Max is adorable, but we see her for about five seconds. Mm -hmm. And then we see young Max, who is played by a 26-year-old man. Yes. Named Boo Boo Stewart. Boo Boo Stewart? (laughs) Yes, that is his name. Uh, He is best known for playing Jay in Descendants. Okay. He's also in Julie the Phantoms, which I know is something uh, people would really like us to do. It's on the list. So it is on our list. So, uh, Boo Boo Stewart, uh, which is not his birth name. Good. (laughs) Uh, he changed it to Boo Boo Stewart. Uh, it used to be Shithouse. I had that thought too when you said that. Uh, no, his birth name, according to Wikipedia, is Nils Allen Stewart Jr. It's a good change. It's a good change. Uh, I think, I believe he also uh, started acting pretty young, based on what I'm seeing. Okay. So I think he's in that situation of... He picked a stage name when he was very, very young. Mm-hmm. And then kind of has that, like, that issue of you picked a stage name when you were super young and now you're kind of going with that. Yeah. So he commits as much as he can. And my next note is the frame story really hurts. It really does. This is where, like, he starts barking at us, and then he's like, oh, sorry, I forgot I was supposed to say this in English. Which, at least it's a joke. We're not going to see a lot of those. Uh, 
And they actually say something like, before a break, stay tuned, because the big reveal's in the next scene. It's so crazy, because the peacock rip has that stuff in it. Yeah, it still does the thing where it, like, throws to commercial and a graphic pops up. And then it comes back. (laughs) Which is so bad. Uh, And then we get the Grinch showing up. Ten minutes into this. Like a full ten minutes. Yes, you stopped it to look. And it did feel like it was much longer, but I I feel like if you didn't give me the Grinch this early and I wasn't recording a podcast about this, I would have given up on this by now. Uh, The Grinch's look is very strange. He's weirdly bottom heavy. Yes. Which I, I did tweet this a few days ago, that this production and a lot of modern productions of the Grinch... Design him as disproportionately bottom-heavy and a lot of focus on his uh, butt region. Yes. Like a disproportionate amount of focus on his disproportionately large butt. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just weird to me. It's very strange. It's just a lot of focus on this part of his body. He's wearing a jaunty scarf, and I understand in a costume design way why he is wearing it, but it does not fit the character. No, not at all. It's to break up the endless field of green that is the Grinch. But it doesn't look right because it's this very jaunty striped scarf. You know what else doesn't fit the character? The idea of Max being able to talk directly to the Grinch. This is a ridiculous choice. The fact that throughout this entire film... We will have Max attempting to reason with the Grinch and, like, present him with evidence from, like, a logical place. Makes no sense in the story. He really becomes an emotional support animal. Like, what makes Max great is, one, his facials. Yes. Like, the moment where the antlers are too heavy and he falls. The moment moment his tail gets pulled into the sewing machine. Yes. And he does that little, like, smile with his little... We're both doing it, like you can see it. Uh, Which is, it was my user picture... On many things. (laughs) Still is my user picture on Discord. (laughs) Uh, It, like, if you were on the Stay Doomed Discord... Because you're a wonderful patron. uh, We're talking about that picture, Mm -hmm. which has been my picture since I've had Discord. Or the, the where he falls back onto the sled. Yeah. And the Grinch just looks at him and he waves. Like, <laughs> he's that's so, what makes Max Max. These adorable little nonverbal bits. But, like, the moment you establish Max going, I don't think we should do this, Mr. Grinch, changes that character entirely. Because, like, Max is just the Grinch's loyal dog. Like... He might have some sort of like, "Mm, I don't know if we're doing something right here, but it's still like, this is my person and I'm a good boy. And And we lose that. I think casting a a grown young man Mm -hmm. in the role might be a mistake. I think Max almost needs to be a child. Yeah. And this show is not shying away from child actors. True. And not shying away from child actors having to deal with the Grinch. So I mm. 
I almost feel like having Max be essentially as tall as the Grinch yeah. also hurts. Like, I think for it to work, the Max should have been, you know, maybe a teenager. Yeah. Like a young teenager. Like you could have cast like a 14, 15 year old. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could have just kept the young woman from... <laughs> that you had already cast as Max. You could have kept... Who, to be entirely fair, may or may not be a young teenager. She might have been, like, she might be 25. Yeah, it's hard to tell because she was dressed as a dog. Yes. Uh, but but I wa- she had a higher voice and read younger. I, I want to point out this one particular moment where Max and the Grinch are having an argument. Mm-hmm. And the Grinch is like, what do you know? You're just a dog. You couldn't even recognize your own face in a mirror. And then it cuts to young Max looking in a mirror, and old Max kind of pops up behind them. And they're just both looking into the mirror. And then it just cuts away? Like, you had the perfect setup to have this moment where young Max is looking in the mirror, old Max pops up and goes, Who are those two dogs? Like, you had the perfect setup. It's such a simple joke. Like, what is the point of that shot of that line even? If we're not doing anything with it. Infuriating. So, when the Grinch makes his big dramatic entrance, he, like, it, he uses the medium. Like, he, they're not filming this like a... This is not like the Hamilton Pro shot where they don't really know we're there. Mm-hmm. This very much... Uh, the Grinch knows we're here. Mm-hmm. So he advances on the, the viewer and he goes, Look at you. Stop grinning. We're not here to enjoy ourselves. Which I was like, no one's smiling, bud. And then, every time he speaks, he goes, <laughs> Which, unfortunately for this show, Yes. Uh, Letter Kenny... <laughs> Had just done a thing about this. Their season seven trailer? I think it's their season 11 trailer. Woof. Okay. Their new season that's coming out like later this month mm-hmm. has an entire... Their their trailers tend to be just a vignette. Yes. And it's Katie talking about how much she hates this trope yes. specifically. Every start with every line with that gasp. Is everything so more much more important if you start that way? See, the end of that is they all get the hiccup, so I'm refusing to do yes. it too much. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, Laura gets the hiccup real bad. I do. Uh, <laughs> and we we would legitimately not be able to finish recording yes, tonight. Yes, exactly. But it's really annoying. Uh, the Grinch also says that he hates our couch. I hate your couch. <gasps> uh, so he does at one point advance, and he does what I can only describe... As Tim Curry in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The voice, the face. Mm -hmm. That's not a character you want to be emulating for children's media. Why are you invoking this? Because I immediately turned around. Because he does that like, how about that? Which you know because I literally Google imaged that moment and showed you a gif of it. Yeah. Of like, hold on, I have to show you something. (laughs) So Cindy Lou Who asks Mama Who to meet the Grinch because Cindy Lou Who being fixated on the Grinch is something that starts in the 2000 movie. 
I said the yeah. 1999 and 2001. It's actually the year 2000. I looked it up. <laughs> uh, the year 2000 film. Cindy Lou Who being fixated on the Grinch is something that kind of starts in that one. Yeah. And Cindy's mom is like overworked and she doesn't care. And her brother is Boohoo. Which you keep thinking her brother's going to be important. He never yeah, is. he's not. Uh, the rhymes in this song are very awkward. And what we get here is the Grinch version of We Don't Talk About Bruno, but yes. bad. Yes, but bad. We don't talk about Grinch and Jan Chanch. That's not how it goes. But. No, like that's literally just insulting. Uh, that's just insulting to, you know. Lynn. Lynn Moel Miranda. <laughs> Who listens? So uh, I, mean, I apologize. Who's going to repeat these same dialogue? It's this very children's media bad habit of repeating something that happened five minutes prior. Yeah, because they'll forget. But you don't need to do that. Mm-mm. Like, the Muppets don't need to do that. Disney doesn't need to do that. No. They'll repeat something 20 minutes later, half an hour later, so you remember it if you need to. But usually not within five, ten minutes. Uh, I do have a song, I do have a moment of, I admittedly do like the set design. The set design is very Susie. Yes. This will change. Yes. <laughs> we will grow to hate it. Uh, so then the Grinch has another song. Yes. Here is your dream sequence song. Yes. This is a sequence where he explains that he hates Christmas because it's noisy and all this other stuff. And there is a raucous dance number with the children with that very mm. angular choreography I'm not a big fan of that goes on. Forever. Goes on for quite some time. This song is called Whatchamahoo. Yeah, Whatchamahoo, which is kind of an issue for me because now we're going back to the Seuss language when we've established we're not using Seuss language and we're saying actual things instead of who's what's it's. Apparently, I really care about this stuff. And uh, I know that by the end of this, Laura was like, I hope the Grinch wins. <laughs> Christmas was a mistake. Uh, I also, uh, I watched a whole video about uh, a a, a uh, biological issue that the Grinch probably has that makes him hate Christmas. There's actually like a medical condition where you can't deal with certain sounds, and that's probably what he has. You see, I believe based on all of this information that we just calculated, as well as what's told to us in the story itself, that the Grinch suffers from a medical condition known as misophonia, also called selective sound sensitivity syndrome. This is an actual medical condition that causes certain sounds to trigger physiological responses, manifesting as disgust or anxiety in mild cases, or panic, fear, and extreme anger in more severe cases. Check that on film theory. Matt Pat put that together. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> that would be one of the sounds that I don't like. You guys. It is shortly before the holiday. And a package came to my home. I'm doing a whole video about this later. <laughs> a package came to my home. Where I live. It was from Matt Pat. I bought his jacket. There will be a whole thing about it later. Anyway. <laughs> Don't send things to my house, Matt Pat. Paid for that jacket. <laughs> this is war, Matt Pat. 
Uh, so anyway, the song's really bad and it makes Lara angry. Oh, I do have a note here. Oh. Uh, why does every character have a fake, fake badonk? The Grinch. Yes. Max. All of the Who adults. Everybody's got like a big fake butt. Yes, it's very butt heavy. And this is a little bit different than the concept uh, known in animation as Hartman hips of female characters having um, larger hips. This is every character having a big fake butt. And it, it seems very weird. And it it's just, it's never mentioned. It's just kind of strange. Yeah. But like, it, it's really obvious in the choreography for this number when you're like, oh, everybody is weirdly bottom heavy. And I got fixated on that because realizing they would have had to do choreography with what could only be called rehearsal butts. Yes. Very funny to think about. Because if you've ever had a cumbersome costume Mm -hmm. in a show, uh, you need to wear a rehearsal version of it. Uh, Often women who have to wear like petticoats and stuff. Yes. Will need to wear some sort of rehearsal version of it. Uh, Rehearsals of puppet. Uh, I had to wear a rehearsal outfit one point because I needed to uh, have something that was very restrictive. Yes. And we didn't have the rehearsal prop in time and mm-hmm. we ended up having to change the costume substantially. Yeah. Uh, because I injured myself with the costume. Nice. During the first dress. <laughs> I brought my knee up and it caused a chain reaction that led to me uppercutting myself in Ooh. the face with part of my own costume. That sounds fun. Yeah. So rehearsal butts. Rehearsal butts. So then Cindy Lou Who, after this very long musical number... I have one more quick note about the musical number. Sure. Uh, It's a dream sequence that is going on where they wrap the Grinch up in, like, wrapping paper and they're playing with all these things. And then when they come back from the dream sequence, Max has a ball from the dream sequence. Yes. Max somehow retrieved something from the Grinch's imagination... And brought it into reality. What are we doing? Like, (laughs) either don't have rules or have rules. Yeah. But you already placed it too much in our world for you to then do that. Apparently I care about this. Continue. So, uh, Cindy Lou Who is making a gift for the Grinch that says Merry Christmas, Friend. And then the R falls off, and he sees it as Merry Christmas Fiend. Fiend. Incensed, the Grinch resolves to steal Christmas. Uh, Yeah, so... And we get a legitimate jump scare. Yes, he, like, jumps in front of the camera. Uh, It should be stated that, in this version, uh, Christmas is stolen because Cindy Lou, who is nice to somebody. Yeah. Okay, just bring that up. Yeah, in this version, it is directly Cindy Lou Who's fault. Yeah. Uh, my next note. He sucks in breath again. The bad acting choice Matthew. Uh, Matthew Morrison plays the Grinch. Uh, Matthew Morrison is best known as being Mr. Schuster on Glee. Right. Which is also a role that has been derided as being unnecessarily creepy. Yeah. Because if you watch Glee... Uh, most teachers would have been uh, fired, lost their teaching license, and jettisoned into the sun for what Mr. Schuster does on a Tuesday. 
This is the teacher that puts drugs in the one kid's locker so he gets forced into being in Glee Club? Yes. That was the Grinch? Yes. Wow. This is proper punishment for Glee. You got you reap what you sow, sir. You reap what you sow. <laughs> Are you considering this karma for his character's actions? Or for him because I would consider this yes karma. To all. I would consider this karmic payback for him covering Bust a Move in season one. Yes. I know he probably did worse things later on, but I did stop watching Glee <laughs> in like season three. Which is too late to Glee, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, is the Riverdale of the 2000s. (laughs) So then we get a song called It's the Thought That Counts. And the beginning of the song makes me so angry. Because, like, the mother and the grandmother sing a song about, like, shopping and making Christmas beautiful for your family. And the father and the grandfather just sing about being grumpy and not wanting to do anything. Yes. So it's emotional labor, the musical. Yeah. To borrow a phrase from our friend David, it smacks of gender. Yes, yes it does. So I I hate, like, I'm already just annoyed by this. But, like, what they're singing is even though they're shopping, it's the thought that counts. So we are not even halfway through this, and they've already revealed what the moral of the story is. Right. Like, the fact that the who's—spoilers, guys— The fact that the Who's at the end of this are going to be singing when Christmas has been stolen from them, that Christmas still came, is a twist. I mean, the whole song is supposed to be hypocrisy. They're singing It's the Thought That Counts and then running over each other to grab anything on sale. Right. And... Yeah, I guess you could just read it that they're they're being that it's hypocrisy. It's disin- the song is supposed to be disingenuous. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like it's the thought that counts. A big sale on whatchamahoos, and then they all run over to it, and they all want to get this. You know, they all want to get this toy and that toy, and they don't really care. We get like some slow mo Black Friday style action at one point, and there's two things I want to note about this scene: uh, the Grinch. Sneaks in and is spying on them. Yes. And this is where the uh, set starts to lose us. Mm-hmm. In the wide shots, the Susie lines on the psych in the back do not react well to the camera and go nuts. Yeah, like, you know when someone's on, like, live TV wearing something that, like, a costume designer couldn't control and they're wearing, like, checkers or stripes and the TV kind of, like, rejects it? <laughs> Yes. It, that's what's happening. But this is a thing that aired on NBC. <laughs> yes, it's it's rough. And like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Uh, there's an end chorale with a bit of humor of the Who's singing about uh, the thought that counts. And at least one or two of them like look down at stuff in their hands, kind of embarrassed. Like... They have the decency to be a little bit ashamed of their behavior for the rest of the song. Yes. And this is when it starts to foreshadow the twist at the end. Yeah. Because what? Oh. <laughs> the, the Grinch is able to, like, talk to the Who's and no one's, like, suspicious because he says he's from Houston. He, he's dressed as a cowboy, which is really important because it's weird. Yes. He's from Houston. He's from down south because apparently the speck of dust that they that on cannon live on is big enough to have a Texas. 
<sighs> and <laughs> he's kind of like talking about like, oh, you guys are having your your big celebration, huh? And the Who's welcome him because they don't know he's the Grinch. And uh, the Grinch then adds his own line to this song where he says, it's what you bought that counts. Yeah. Which means the Grinch heard the whole song disregarded the thing they said a hundred times and then said, no, it's really what they bought that count. And we'll be surprised later (laughs) that the thing that the Who's told them was true. (laughs) And there's a bit where like Max and the Grinch go, always get on a song? Good idea. And then the that's when we get this weird Grinch country reprise. Yeah. Of the thought that counts. And that... The next song we get is, uh, we're not going to talk about it for very long because we, mm. I don't want to. Max and Max sing about the doggy way and how they have to obey their master. Because now that we have a talking conscience in Max, we have to now justify yes. why he follows the Grinch and why he's doing the Grinch's bidding, even though the Grinch is terrible. Because of a problem that you've created, you now have to create a whole song explaining away the problem. So, that happens. That ha- I have no notes about it. My, next, my notes jump immediately to one of a kind. Yes. So, one of a kind is clearly supposed to be this, like, Tour de force for the Grinch. Yes. And might be with a better Grinch. Yeah. Like, the idea here, and it's not a terrible idea, is that the Grinch is talking about how he's one of a kind, nobody's like him. Yeah. And this is supposed to foreshadow that he's lonely. Because yes. he's one of a kind, and thus no one else can accept him, because no one's like him. I'm one of a kind, there's no one like me, one of a kind, does that make me lonely? And it's, it's not awful, but for a show like this to now have the Grinch not being funny singing alone, it's kind of like brings the show to a halt, which I'm not a fan of. And... It's clearly intended to be this big number for him because people, like, people off screen throw flowers and he's like, you're my people. And my note was, but he hates my couch. And then literally the next thing out of his mouth was like, I lied, I love your couch. Yes. They do this bit where Max is trying to move on with the story and the Grinch keeps running back on to get more and more applause. This read very much similar to the way Count Olaf acts in a series of unfortunate events. Yes. Because he's an actor in that. And this is when I realize, oh, Jim Carrey's The Grinch is now just The Grinch. Yes. Like, when people think of The Grinch, that's what they go to. Because uh, I remember, to, to drop a name... Uh, I remember talking to my good friend Brentel Floss, who will be performing at MAGFest, where we will also be, uh, saying that he wanted to write a Mario musical, but he wanted a more Captain Lou Albano uh, Super Mario Super Show Mario. And then he realized that kids would just look at that and go, that's not Mario. Right. 
because of Jim Carrey's The Grinch, that's how people just are like, that's how The Grinch acts. He's flamboyant. He's likes to be the center of attention. He's theatrical, which is not really how The Grinch is. He's a hermit. Yeah, he's a hermit who doesn't really, like, the show-stopping song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, is sung by an unseen person. Yeah. And is over the Grinch making the costume and getting ready. So, also there's a note here of uh, the Grinch going, no, this is my Emmy nomination. And and us being like, no, no, sir, it's not. No, it is not. (laughs) So... We, when we go, when we keep saying the next song, uh, it's because this is sung through, like a Hamilton or a Les Misrobes, with very little dialogue. Yeah, there's songs. some, but not a lot. So the next song we get is ca- is actually like kind of nice uh, at first, and it's the adults, it's the parents and grandparents of Cindy Lou Who enjoying the quiet peace of Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say a couple things do go wrong here. The musical arrangement feels draggy and messy. Mm-hmm. It does not feel like the adults are singing at the right tempo. Mm-hmm. These are professionals. This was not filmed live. So they probably are, but it does not sound like they are. Yeah. My, my note here is this song feels like they're stretching. Yes. Like, there's something about it that almost felt like, so we just finished editing it, and we are six minutes short. The leads are backstage changing, and they need a lot of time. So if you guys, who's around? Just the parents? Can we just get like a bum 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 for them to talk over? This is the song (laughs) that no one likes. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, We get another... Uh, costume design issue here. More ass. No. Uh, Mama Who is in this hot pink Barbie-ish color. Mm-hmm. Everything in this, because it's the quiet piece oh, of Christmas right. Eve night, is all in blues and it's very subdued. Dad is in maroon and the grandparents are in shades of purple. Mom sticks out bad. Yeah. It, it almost has a day glow look to her. Her, because there's also like a texture on hers. Yes, that like hers like looks fuzzy. So like there's just something weird that happens. So she doesn't quite ever fit. Like she sticks out, and that in some cases would be a design choice. Very famously in the film Beauty and the Beast, Belle is the only person who wears blue in the village. Right, because she is intended to stick out. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, Belle is in a blue that fits the color palette of the rest of the village. She's not an electric blue. Yeah. She doesn't look weird. Dayglow blue. She just stands out. Mama Who is in Lisa Frank 90s Barbie Goes to Epcot pink. (laughs) And yes, I was thinking about the Barbie Goes to Epcot movie a lot today. For reasons. (laughs) And it just, she clashes with the set. Yeah, it's not great. Then I realize why these songs all suck so bad. What is Taylor Swift famous for in her songwriting? 
Uh, Taylor Swift? Yes. Uh, teardrops on her guitar. Bridges. Ah. She is known for having very strong bridges to her songs. It's not just verse, refrain, verse, refrain. Mm-hmm. These songs don't have bridges. No. They're just repetitive verses. That's that's a really good point. That's a good call. It's, it's what I realized during this song, because this song is very... Very lilting, boring. Mm-hmm. It's the song that no one likes. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the video, the song that no one likes. we I've played it on this podcast. I know. <laughs> it, it's one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time. <laughs> so then we get Max protesting after the Grinch, which leads into... And I was, I was like, again? Like, <laughs> why are you protesting now that you've broken? Because it should be brought up. They break in. The Grinch gets stuck in the chimney because of his huge ass. Uh, and then they break in, and then Max is like, I don't know if we should be doing this. It's like, you should have brought this up way earlier, Max. This is a huge problem. And then, 49 minutes in, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. And I was like, oh, finally. And then, it sucks. I do have a note that I made in my notes that I want I joke I made in my notes that I want to say. There's a line where someone says, no ifs, ends, or maybes. And then in my notes, I went, but so many buts. <laughs> so many buts. So Dennis O'Hare, who I do love, by the way. He's a Broadway actor. Dennis O'Hare is a tenor. Yeah. Uh, how The first role I knew Dennis O'Hare is playing was Charles Gateau in Assassins. Charles Gateau is a tenor who hmm. is a high voice. Right. The singer in the animated special of Your Mean One, Mr. Grinch, is Thurl Ravenscroft. Now, he is best known for his work in Disney. Uh, He is the voice in the Haunted Mansion who sings uh, Grim Grinning Ghosts. Oh, come out to socialize. Yes. And the Headless Horseman song from Sleepy Hollow. That, like, very Mm -hmm. deep bass memorable. Yeah. So you move the song up into this much higher voice part. Yeah. The other person singing, the other two people singing are also tenors. Matthew Morrison and uh, Boo Boo Stewart also both singing a tenor line. It's a trio. And my other note here is that Morrison is so uh, creepily breathy. Yes. <gasps> also, yes. I have a note here that Big old Grinchy fart. Oh my god. This is so important that I bring this up. <laughs> Big the, old Grinchy fart. The Grinch farts in Maxis's, because there's two of them, faces. Oh. Max, how dare you? And one of the Maxes. Wipe something out of his eye. The Grinch shit on the dog. That happens. You can watch it. You go to Peacock right now and you can watch the Grinch shit on a dog. Merry Christmas, everyone. Like, unbelievable. And though Laura's note said a big Grinchy fart, Noah revealed that a fart was a shark. 
I don't love anything about what just happened. And Laura's gag reflex grew two sizes that night. Unbelievable. Like, there was a, someone directed this. Like, the <laughs> fact that someone's not going, cut, you can't wipe crap out of your eyes. What are you doing? That's something. And, like, I know people who do stuff like this. It's something they clearly thought was going to get cut. Because, like, I've performed long enough in enough different places to have that, like, oh, this isn't going to make the final cut. I'm going to do something that's going to make everybody laugh. And it'll be really funny. And then we're going to cut it in post. I want you to know, gentle listener, that never gets cut in post. No. The dumb thing you did is going to make the final cut. So at one point, the choreography is clearly designed so Dennis O'Hare can do it. Mm -hmm. Because Boo Stewart's a trained dancer. And is clearly able to do much more choreography than... He is allowed to do in this song. Yeah. And my next note here is drunkles. Because by the end of the song, they are your three drunk uncles singing karaoke on Christmas Eve. They're legitimately flat at times. It's like, there's so many problems that like, Max protests and then helps steal Christmas anyway. Uh, Just small thing I want to point out is the Grinch puts his hand down on the stove and it burns him. Because apparently the Who's went to bed with the stove on. Yeah. That's not cool. That's bad. It's a bad lesson about that home ownership. Uh, and then it's Cindy Lou Who time. Yes. So it's really interesting because Cindy Lou Who is no older than two. Yes. Which she's always a little bit. It's hard to cast a two-year-old. Well, I just mean like. Even in the original cartoon, she's got to be at least three. She She's saying, like, full sentences yeah. and stuff. But she's usually pretty cute and young. Mm-hmm. Cindy Lou, who is clearly, like, ten, and there's probably, you know, reason you have to be able to sing and dance a whole musical. But it's very odd how they play Cindy Lou Who. Mm-hmm. They make her the emotional support animal of the Grinch in a lot of, in every adaptation. But when she's a little older, it keeps, it gets a little weirder. Yeah. So she had a nightmare and she hugs the Grinch who she thinks is Santa Claus. Yes. And asks him to stay. Uh, There's a note here where I get mad because these are two professional actors facing upstage. Yeah. In a show where... Someone could have called cut and gone, Matthew, Cindy Lou, turn around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cindy sings an unmemorable but sweet little ballad. Yes, that the Grinch actually says, oh, it's a ballad. So now I love him because he also hates this show. And like, I get it. Like, ballad, ballads are some of my favorite songs to listen to on the soundtrack and my least favorite to sit through during the show. Yeah. So... Uh, it makes the Grinch cry. And all of their dialogue is a little bit creepy. Like, it really pushes an emotional bond that is not earned. Yeah. And then he asks her what her nightmare was. And even though she had been compassionate to the Grinch and made him a gift and wants to meet the Grinch three scenes ago, her nightmare's the Grinch. 
Yeah. It's inconsistent. Completely inconsistent. So then we get a reprise of uh, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Yeah, they just sing it again. And like. But this time we get the Thing One, Thing Two group who are inexplicably dressed like Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. Yes. The, like, I really want... And to, they're on skates. Why are they in skates? I, I don't have a good... You know, I had thing to, one and thing two. I sat through Elf the musical, and when I sat through Elf the musical, there was a bar. Why isn't there a bar? Like, you want to be drunk? Is that what you were saying? Like, you wish you were at the bar? At that point, Or I a was. bar for them to clear? <laughs> yes. Okay, I wasn't sure what you were referencing there. But... Two two important things I have to bring up here. Mm-hmm. They don't sing You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, until 49 minutes into this. And I was like, finally. And then they sing it again. And in that brief time where they sang it the first time, when it comes up again, I'm immediately like, oh, just please don't. Like, <laughs> I was so angry that they were going to ruin the song again that I was just like, I don't even want you to do it. Please, It would have been better if you cut it. And during the heist, where he's going house to house, stealing things, disguised as Santa, there's a moment where he grabs a thing of spray paint and spray paints on the wall, hashtag Grinch. Oh, I missed that because I was taking notes. One, Hashtag, that's the putting it all in our world. Okay, maybe the Grinch lives outside of our reality because he can talk to us, whatever. Two, the Who's are going to wake up and go, oh my God, all our stuff is gone. Hey, it says hashtag Grinch. Let's go burn his house down. So then I know exactly who did it. Grab some sticks. All right, so now I want to get mad. Hold on, my turn. So the Who's wake up and they're devastated. And the mom... Still far too neon for the blue of the set. Sings, where are you Christmas? And dad joins in. (laughs) We're so mad. One, the song does not fit them or the moment. Two, it's symbolic, you potatoes. Yes. The song is symbolic. It's not for when you literally misplace your Christmas tree. (laughs) Yeah, it's supposed to be where's the spirit of Christmas. It's about growing up and having to refigure out what Christmas means when you're no longer privy to the childhood magic of Christmas. The song is symbolic, you absolute potatoes. Where are you, Christmas? Where are my presents? I want my Nintendo. Well, we're also just glazing over the fact that what this means is in the, like, in the original... When they all came out to sing Fahu Doris, they were all still real pissed off about their stuff missing. <laughs> like, they all did it through gritted teeth, like, oh, our stuff's gone. Fahu Doris. But unfortunately, they don't sing that. They sing Who's Like Christmas again. They sing Who's Like Christmas again. <laughs> Why? And then we get a reprise of one of a kind that is sounds like Max mocking the Grinch. Yes. Because you're one of a kind. Like, it's kind of mean for a dog that's supposed to be unquestionably loyal. Uh, So the Grinch's heart growing is presented so creepily. Yeah. With these creepy drum beats. 
Yeah. 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 And then Taz comes out. <laughs> that, that, that joke's for like two people. I hope you enjoyed it. So then he comes back and gives everybody their stuff, including Cindy Lou Who's Red Rocking Horse, which we could have mentioned in another number, but it wasn't actually important. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's not important. Uh, it should be mentioned that the whole big like transformation is the Grinch realizes he's a who too. He's not one of a kind. He's one of them. Which he's not. <laughs> like, you can't... Like, the change of heart is not, oh, wow, Christmas is more than just things. Yeah. Christmas is something special, and it's about sharing it with people, not things. Right. The thing that changes the Grinch is, oh, maybe they'll actually just be cool with me. Because it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Which is anti the message of the Grinch. Like, oh, I know I abused your whole town. Mm-hmm. But, like, sweep that under the rug because it's Christmas. Sweep your problematic family members under the rug. Yes. He... <laughs> does he say I'm sorry? I don't think he does. <laughs> like, yeah, so he sa- says, I'm a who too. And then I have a note that says, no, you're not. <laughs> you're just not. And when he says, I'm a who too, he then looks at the camera and says, just don't make my butt any bigger. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's like the closing line. So then we get curtain call. I have a note. Puppy Max gets no curtain call despite having had a solo. And the curtain call reprise is who's like Christmas again. Yes. It, the song has not improved. No, it's awful. So, uh, this, uh, got panned. Yeah, it's because it's bad and, like, it's completely missing the point of what the story of the Grinch is about. And also, like, ruining it in the first act. (laughs) None of it. (sighs) Uh, I love the headlines, Doc. Uh, the Grinch, the musical, stink, stank, stunk. The mm. Grinch doesn't need to steal Christmas. NBC's musical was bad enough to ruin it. Yeah. Uh, this was just universally panned. It's just, it's amazing that you could take a classic like The Grinch and just miss the point so clearly. Yeah. It's just, it's insane. It's absolutely insane that this happened. Uh, So this was not done live. The original plan was to do it live, but this was filmed in fall 2020 and was dealing with COVID. Right. So this ended up having to be uh, filmed over a couple of days, more like the, uh, more like the Hamilton pro shot than anything else. Right. More like the Diana pro show. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So one, there's one little thing that I probably shouldn't bring up, but I'm going to. Oh, boy. That we missed. Uh, the whole part where he gets to Whoville and he's standing on the sled and Max is dragging it while he whips him. Yeah. That awoken something in somebody. But... All right, we could have gone with that thing. See, but I said it, and now it's recorded. Uh, why? You know. <laughs> so, uh, what's your verdict here, Noah? This is such a stay doomed. I can't 
believe this. Like, Dear Evan Hansen super misses the point of its own movie. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to laugh at its failures. This, the failures in it are not even, like, enjoyable. It's just like... It feels like it's a a middle school play of just like, well, they're trying, (laughs) you know, they they did what they could, but like, how do you miss that? The whole point of this is that Christmas is good. (laughs) Like, how do you miss that in the Grinch? It's unforgivable is what this is. It's unforgivable. It's a stay doomed for me. It's a stay doomed for me. It's a bad musical. It's a bad TV special. Uh, everybody feels woefully miscast outside of like the children. Yeah. And the adult who's because literally they can't be miscast because they don't do enough to warrant like anyone who can kind of carry a tune would have done fine in those parts. Yeah. It's just... So it's a stay doomed for me, too. Yeah, it's a bad time. It's a bad time from start to finish. And, like, I I cannot give you a good reason to ever visit this. Unless you want to see the Grinch whip somebody. No. No. <laughs> what, do, what do we... What are we doing? What are we watching next week? Uh, we're watching First Night 2013 with Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, this is a new one for us. So, this is another, uh, this is something that the patrons have wanted us to do for some time. And it is the 10th anniversary of Jamie Kennedy's New Year's Eve special that doesn't go all that well. Yes. He fails to ring in the new year well. He fails to ring in the new year on time. <gasps> really? Yes. Oh, spoilers. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, that I mean, that's just a little taste for you. Oh, I'm so, excited uh, for this one. Uh, so, and if you want to be one of those wonderful patrons that can help suggest stuff, now's the time to do it because it's going to be patron uh, appreciation month next month. So get excited for that. Yeah. Uh, so jump on. Makes a great gift, I think. You could probably gift someone a Patreon subscription. <laughs> I don't see why not. Uh, so yeah, head on over to patreon.com slash plus two comedy. You know, <laughs> for the person listening to this that is not a fan, but knows a fan, <laughs> gift them a subscription to our Patreon today. Where can people find us? You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed, where we have just debuted our new logo. Yeah, check out the new logo. Thank it's you, Chris Thank Ruiz, you, Chris. for our new logo. Yeah, Chris, you knocked it out of the park. Thank you so much for that. It is awesome. And if you want to talk to me about the canon of the Dr. Seuss catalog, I'm at Plus Two Comedy on Twitter because apparently Elon Musk is stepping down. Uh, if you want to talk to me about the time I played Cindy Lou Who, which we did not talk about, and that's for the best, uh, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>